Welcome to The Messy Path, a podcast where we navigate through the mess of personal, spiritual, and relationship growth. I'm Ariel, a rapid transformational therapist. And I'm Whitney, an intuitive relationship coach. Join us as we discuss the beauty in the mess of our lives. Hi, everybody. This week, we are talking about boundaries um, with uh, heightened political tensions, um, not being able to be ignored. Um, I think boundaries are really something that is coming forward um, as something that we all need to talk about. So today we're going to kind of reflect on the, the meaning of positive space boundaries and what that entails um, and some of our own uh, journey through creating positive space boundaries in our relationships and for ourselves um, between me and Whitney. And then Whitney um, has a little exercise for us that we'll, we'll get to at the end with some uh, kind of journaling prompts and reflection pieces uh, for you as well. So yeah, here we go. Yay. Boundaries. Boundaries. Oh my God. Um, I don't even know where to begin really. Like they're so important and boundaries are something for me that only in the last, like, I would say five, six years that I've actually gotten solid at committing to, like, I've known that I needed boundaries in the past, but it hasn't been until I started doing like a lot of really deep self-work and even like really concerted effort working with therapists to say like, how do you actually set boundaries and how do you move through this stuff? Um, yeah, they're, they're so dang powerful. And when you first start setting them, it can feel really lonely and scary because you're not allowing and people wrong. in your, and yeah, and wrong. Yeah, <laughs> totally. You feel like you're the bad guy. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you're really selfish, not. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yep. It is not selfish to take care of yourself, which is um, like, so and I think when we're talking about, you know, the, the social media sphere and, and the, the political, you know, energy that's happening right now, you know, there's this balance between needing to be informed because that's important mm-hmm. and doing so in a way that's safe, healthy, positive for you as well. And, and feeling like there's like this silliness that you're not following this or how, how do you mean you can't like watch the news anymore, but you're looking mm-hmm. it up this way. And it's like finding where that tilt you know, that arcing point is for yourself and, and what that means, right? What does it feel like when you're engaging in dialogues? What does it feel like when you're posting things or not? What are those healthy habits for you that don't mean you're retreating from society or not being valid or, you know, being a snowflake, um, not being able to handle anything, but being able to absorb or, react, respond in a way that's coming from a healthy, grounded, aligned space, which is what our goal is, right? Mm -hmm. Our goal in creating positive space boundaries is not to create a weaker self, but a stronger self. And I think that like for me going through this, there's the the low end and the high end that I have to regulate inside myself, right? Often those, those triggering feelings feel like I need to hide myself, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh, need to hide. I can't share this. I can't do that um, or whatever. And, and that is coming from this 
fearful inner child egoic self who's like you're not safe you're yeah. not safe mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. hide just just protect yourself hide curl up in a ball don't share this again and the that is a not healthy way to approach positive boundaries right that's uh retreating that's um uh, fearful um what you want to be doing it is from and this was a big um kind of metaphor for me is the metaphor of the queen. The queen is creating a positive space for herself. The queen doesn't allow people to talk to her in a disparaging tone mm-hmm. or or words. The queen has a safety, you know, puts the wall around her city to for her community to be safe. Mm-hmm. And and is doing it in protection, but so that she can create a positive, healthy, happy environment within the confines of mm-hmm. her her controlled space. Now, mm-hmm. of course, this is a metaphorical queen in a metaphorical city. Yeah. <laughs> Do not reference <laughs> real past queens in this. Yes. <laughs> um, but this is what this is the metaphor that we're we're kind of striving for in this. It, you know, I see when I when I envision a queen um, I know so many of us are watching Bridgerton right now and we're watching <laughs> these ladies with the corsets and the, and the forced posture, yeah. right? The forced upright posture that is so lacking in everyday life in America, in the modern era. Um, but that is that raising, that upright raising of our shoulders, that upright postured position. And what you also do, I'm doing that right now. If you sit up correctly, put your shoulders back. What you're also doing is what? Opening your heart center, Mm -hmm. opening your heart chakra, but you're doing it from a place where you're grounded, you're stronger, you know, your shoulders are back, it aligns your body. And that's the energy. That's what I'm saying, the energy of the queen. That's what we want to be feeling like when we're creating these positive space boundaries that strong, upright, but heart open center, like feeling instead of that sad, scared inner child hiding in the fetal position in the dark corner, like, no, don't come, don't come by me. Or, or doing the, um, like I call it the chameleon thing. Cause this is what I used to do Mm. with my boundaries before I had them was if I felt like I was going to be ostracized from like a friendship or a relationship or at work, I would just chameleon myself into agreeing with them. Like, even if I didn't agree with them. And I think that's the thing politically now that we're all finding our voice in a lot deeper and more meaningful way of not just smiling and nodding when that person at the office says like the mildly, like the racist comment that is kind of (laughs) not mild at all, but like is clothed in some phrasing that makes it seem like, well, it's not like super racist. Like, no, any comment that comes across as racist is racist, like period, end of story. And it deserves to be responded to in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And, and on that note, I think what we've really seen or need to recognize is that we live in a racist culture, mm-hmm. that that this isn't necessarily personal attacks against yeah. personal people that we know, love, interact with, but recognizing where do we stand? How can we respond, react, change the racist culture that we live in so that we're not saying those might not be how you feel directly about it, but mm-hmm. how are you 
supporting a racist culture, right? Exactly. Because we're not calling everyone a racist in this, but saying like, how are you feeding into that yeah. culture of, of, of segregation or how are you um, systemic racism, but yeah. how are you, you know, are making you an effort that? to do it? And I think that's what we're all really being called to, to kind of step into. And you're like, how does positive space boundaries like apply to this? And it's like a lot. It, it totally does. I'm actually in a group right now called Getting Real About Whiteness, and it's hosted here in my community, and we meet bi-weekly to talk about this. Um, and of course, I live in a mountain town, and while we have a big Latinx community, like it's all white people in this because it's us trying to dismantle our own focused whiteness and how it is just naturally racist. So like the act of setting boundaries in that space has been really powerful for me of saying, if I'm in, cause we run through a lot of hypotheticals, like how would you manage this microaggression that you came across at the grocery store or in a mm. meeting or whatever? Um, so it's a lot of really cool, powerful tools. Um, and if anyone's interested in creating a group like this or trying to get connected with a group like this, like reach out to me cause I can try to help you connect with some organization in your local community. Cause this has been so important to me um, and really a growing space for me um, to kind of dig into my own whiteness and like try to pull it apart and like figure out how I can show up differently. Um, but in creating those boundaries, you then get to ask yourself, how is it that I hold my boundaries, but still show up to honor myself? Because I think a lot of people, especially when you start talking about like working on boundaries around politics and race and that kind of thing, which we're all like facing in a really deep way, you kind of think we all need to be like Joan of Arc or the person out on the front lines, like having the argument or like yes. going to the march. And yes, absolutely. We need those people. And I understand that not everybody is wired that way. Like when I go and have confrontations on the internet with people and like comment back to people in a post, I get so anxious. That is not my space at all mm. because I'm just like waiting for their response. I get tense. Like it, it's just not beneficial for like anybody. Cause I get all muddled in the head and like, can't construct my argument. Well, even though I have all the time in the world to respond. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, my partner, Greg, he, he thrives there. Like that's like his thing is he goes into like, you know, other people's posts that he's friends with. And we kind of talked about this uh, recently and like mediates and says like, well, you have to answer this question. Like you are not making sense or like, that's not the point of what this is about. Or, you know, he has no problem engaging with people like that. And meanwhile, me, I'm like, I, I could write like a blog about this, but I am not mm -hmm. going to like engage. And you do a really good job of um, sharing posts to your stories um, that are, you know, hard hitting facts about things. And also, you know, maybe more lighthearted, mm -hmm. um, kind of interpretations of things too. Maybe a TikTok video that has a, a funny person, you know, talking about some a serious issue, right? Or something right. in it or or sharing that kind of reaction, that response of being like, ah, right. Yeah. I feel yeah. like it was one of them that you just shared it. <laughs> it was just like us, this is how I feel. Ah, ah you know? yeah, totally. So, um and and tapping in on that. And I think what Whitney, you're really recognizing in this 
is exactly what boundaries are. Mm-hmm. Here, your partner is able to operate at, in this space of, of engaging with people on social media, but this isn't a healthy way for you to do it. Mm-hmm. And so what positive boundaries means is finding the place that is still healthy and aligned for you to still operate, yep. right? Because we don't, we're not, we're not putting up the walls of the city that actually has a, a complete roof. <laughs> it's actually yeah. a bubble and that bubble is a, a bomb shelter and you're never leaving it. That's not what it is. This has to be transparent and you still have to be operational and, and being able to, to move and operate in those spaces. In that regard, I try not to engage too much on those types of social media posting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I recently really got into the thick of it with with someone. Um, and I did so because it was, um, a a distant relative of mine, but I knew that it, it was a, a a young woman who was posting and she must be just, just slightly younger than me. So late twenties, not really a young woman, I guess. And, um, and it was her dad who was really blasting her, um, Mm. in really, um, patronizing, degrading, like comments in, in response to, to her post. And I felt like she needs a hand. I knew she could handle it. I know she has been handling it, you know, but it's like, this is your dad, like someone it, I just felt like I can help you. I can mm-hmm. step in and be another voice because he's only seeing you one way, you know, and I might be able to help, you know, see a different light in that. And I'll say, we, we duked it out for two full days and going back and forth with huge paragraphs and huge paragraphs and, you know, throwing in on his end, the, you know, all cap sentences, (laughs) which, you know, everybody loves. And I could feel my heart pounding, reading some of the things, right that he was just missing or the attacks or the the degrading patronizing comments, you know, that my education wasn't valid, but his was, you know, my point of view wasn't valid, but his experiences are right. And, and how, you know, as a, a man, right. This still had this superiority against us. And, but when I could feel that pounding right Mm -hmm. in my chest I really just breathed through it and kind of calm myself down and came at this from a space of a real lightness which Mm -hmm. I was really proud of myself for really making what I felt like were even witty remarks or lighthearted comments back which of course were not taken in that way um but I got a I got a good you know chuckle out of it and I was like yes if I can stay in that lightness that's Mm -hmm. what is helping that's what's helping me feel grounded in this and again I was really doing this I felt like in support of my fellow woman. And I think that being my underlying current was really helping me stay in that grounded space for me because it was more distanced than being with my uncle, right? And where I'm more close. And I'll say to you, so at the end, what I was considering the end, and I also private messaged the girl saying, Mm -hmm. you know, 
I know this is your dad. That's why I'm getting in on this. And she immediately was like, thank you so much. And I really appreciate it. I know he doesn't listen to me. You know, he's not going to listen really to you either, but thanks, you know, for throwing your hat in. And, and we had a really good dialogue and that's, that was my main goal was that she felt supported, right? Because women supporting women is, is, is my main passion. Yeah. Um, and so because I stayed grounded, because I stayed in this, at the end of this conversation, what I was considering the end, I made very mm, deflammatory, you know, remarks to end this, right? Mm-hmm. And of just saying like, okay, and this is, you know, where we're leaving this, okay. right? We're not, I'm not going to keep cycling into this. Yeah. You know, I understand that I'm not going to understand you mm-hmm. and you're not you know, willing to understand. And you're right. I don't understand how you can be voting against the interests of your own five daughters, but you know, there we are. And whatever I had said, I said it from Mm -hmm. a a place of really like calm, cooling off. And of course he responded right in, because he has to have the last word, whatever it is uh, with the anger. And then that turned into like this comment of saying like, um, the last time I remember seeing you, you know, you were a little kid at so-and-so's funeral and this, this nice little um, kind of happier memory and then asked, what am I studying now? And I don't know if he thought that I was like in high school or college or something. Like he clearly had no idea what age I really was at this time yeah. and didn't look into it at all, Yeah, which was totally fine. And I, I was really proud of him for for really pulling up like a lighthearted thing and asking what was like a real life question instead of getting Mm. stuck in this. And I do feel like that was in response to my, you know, cooling it down. Escalating. Yeah. And I was like, so I responded in kind and I messaged, you know, after I saw you when I was a grown up, but you know, and this was, you know, that memory. Yeah. Um, and it's still in a, a very light tone. And then I was like, yep. And actually (laughs) I'm, almost 32 and I'm a hypnotherapist helping people uh, heal through their emotional trauma. Yeah. And he responded by saying, do you help PTSD? Wow. And here we go. Now we're in a whole nother dialogue of him opening up to me of saying why he's feeling so triggered right now. Yeah. His PTSD is spiking right now Yeah, because there was a riot at the Capitol (laughs) and somehow he has to be on the, the, the fighting side of that and not the receiving end of that. I don't know. I'm not digging into that yet. Yeah. But then we had this very calm conversation about, you know, what that is, what my methods are and how, and I'm like, I might not be you know, right. the right person to work on this with you, but I would be able to rec- I can talk to you about the process and recommend you to a colleague. Right. Yeah. And it, it was this really positive conversation. And I was like, wow. I mean, even I didn't expect that as, as the outcome because it wasn't my intention, but my intention was to stay grounded yeah. and in my light the whole time. And yep. here we, we really get to the bottom of it. Yep. That he's feeling triggered. He has this PTSD that's spiking right now. Now I'll say yesterday I received, I don't know how many countless personal messages now from him with wow. videos and things but I'm not engaging in it because I can tell he's at, you know, that heightened spot right now. But my goal is like, to respond. Is he, now is he's he messaging like a, a fight with you. Okay. So what I'm at a glance seeing this 
it is totally his PTSD mm. coming forward. Mm. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I don't need to respond. I can recognize mm-hmm. that that's what this is, that this is what he's trying to show. He is sending me war video clips. And I'm like, like, like there's nine war video clips at least. And I'm like, okay, all right. I'm yeah. not going to respond right now because you're in an escalated like mode, but I, my intention is to come back to this, but even saying I'm not responding right now is a positive space boundary, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Recognizing that he's coming at me from a really charged point right now. Mm-hmm. He's not going to hear any of the positive messages in support. I could write him the exact same message yesterday in the middle of this slew of things that I will, you know, in two days, possibly, or yep, two days, mm-hmm. or maybe a week from now, just because of the actual physical events of, of time that's happening right now, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. we'll see, but I could write him the exact same message from the exact same par- point of caring inside of myself. It would be received totally differently. Totally. And I can recognize that because of, you know, I'm not like, whoa, I'm feeling attacked. Whoa, I'm this, you know, mm-hmm. I'm able to say, so, okay, well, when I'm in a good spot. I can do this. So you're bringing up two really, really, really powerful points around the act of setting boundaries and, and frames of mind that I think you have so integrated that like, it just naturally is happening for you now. So the first one is yeah. being able to identify for yourself, um, when someone is coming at you and this is like a universal thing that I know we all see like on Facebook posts and in memes all the time, but like, it's really important to internalize when someone is coming at you in any way, it is not about you. It is their interpretation of who you are and where they're coming from, from their pain point, from their fear, from their experience in life. So this guy, for your example, is taking his whole world, which is military, past experience, PTSD, and saying, Mm. look, this is why, like, this is my experience. And just because that is is my pain, not this this is is my my experience. I mean, he is really showing in a, in an aggressive fashion, sure. but the underlying thing he's saying, right. It, because yeah. he's trying to say, this is my experience, yeah. but the underlying statement in there is this is my pain. Yeah. And I think that it takes that being in the awareness mode of myself, as you're yep. saying, to recognize what that difference is. Yep. And it's not always, I don't always see that. I, I still don't understand how he could be voting against the interests of his daughters. You know, it, you know, I'm still in that realm sure. of not understanding, but I can recognize part of it. I can yeah. recognize that how he's delivering these messages to me is from this pain point. Yep. And that is the thing as you're drawing boundaries, that's really important because you're, it, so the second point is when you draw a boundary, you are not in control of how that boundary is received by other people. Yes. Which is the second line of like, yes. this is really uncomfortable because it's mm-hmm. uncomfortable to draw the boundary. And then it's really uncomfortable if you're a people pleaser or to just someone it. to hold the boundary hold it. because you see that other person's reaction and you know, <clears throat> I could just change my mind. I could just say, no, it's okay that you like said that weird, hurtful thing to me. Like, no, it's not. You have to hold that boundary and you have to say, you don't actually have to say anything back to them. It is then in their court to respond in the way that they respond. And that you can't, 
you cannot control that response. So all you can do is in that space, ask for the grace to just continue being you. And this is one of those times I constantly ask my guides, the universe, like, please speak to me and through me because I'm in like a triggering scenario and I don't know what to say. And whenever I say that, I get what I need to say and it comes out succinctly for that other person to understand. So it's, it's having that level of awareness that like my ego brain, my monkey mind is just a jumbled effing shit show right now. And I need better words. Please give me Mm. better words universe. And it will. And that's like, that all just comes with practice. So like, Mm -hmm. don't beat yourself up if you're starting to set these boundaries. And then like two days later, you feel really guilty and you text the person back. And it feels inconsistent, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, it doesn't matter how you build the wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It could be, it yeah, could be some Legos of, or it could some be of the, yep. And then yeah. some mud, there's yeah. some mud in there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. The fact is like that you're doing it and because yeah. it's for you, mm-hmm. right. Sometimes it is for other people, but it has to be first and foremost for you. Yeah. And, and that's what can be hard. And I know that we are using right now so far, like the political aspects and the social media aspects of um, space boundaries, positive space boundaries. <clears throat> but as you were saying this about holding the line, you know, mm-hmm. setting, setting the boundary and holding the line. I'm also thinking about women in sexual situations, Yep. right? And this, this, li- this boundaries apply to every aspect of your life. Every. And I want us to be really clear and saying like, I did not have positive space boundaries for myself when I was younger. And that took mm-hmm. something really that I needed to develop. And that's why I'm so passionate about speaking about sex, talking about intimacy, talking about relationships now, because I want other women to not have to learn this all on themselves, but, but really feel more confident in holding the line of the boundaries they're choosing. Not that they feel like they should have, not that they feel like they're told to have, not whatever, but what is actually authentic into their positive space boundary. Yeah. This is not good girl boundarying. This is what is my truth boundary. boundary. uh, What do I want? What am I ready for? What do I feel comfortable with? Right. here's, Here's a really great example of that. That's like the reverse of when I started understanding my boundaries and I was just casually dating. I would date people and because at the core I am a serial monogamist and I and I did want a long-term yes. partnership. I was I knew in that span of time, so this was like the winter of 2016 to like the beginning of 2018, I did not want to seriously date anybody. Like I knew I just I wanted to date because I enjoy it, but I didn't want to like settle down. I wasn't feeling that. So I would be dating these people and they would say like, I want you to meet my you know, brother. I want you to like come to this family event or I want like, you know, I want to be official with you. And I had to sit there and say like, nope, that's not what I want. Like, yes. thank you very mm-hmm. much. I appreciate that. I'm flattered. I am just looking for something casual and fun right now. And like, you're allowed to sleep over at my house a couple nights a week. I'll go sleep over at your house a couple nights a week, but I'm not Facebook official with you. I don't want to meet your family. Like, I'm not going to this big event with you. Like, I am the fun girl that you call on Friday night right now. Mm -hmm. Like, that's my role. That's what I want to do. And it was disarming for a lot of guys because they're like, what? Like, they were like, this happened with two different guys. And they were like, what? But 
don't you, especially I was in the Midwest, don't you want to like get married and have kids? And I'm like, well, yeah, eventually, but not right now. And probably not to you. So also not with you. Right. And this is when knowing yourself, not only where you are in your journey, because that's what you're first and foremost highlighting. This is where I am in my journey. And also you were drawing in people to match that energy of what you wanted. And in that way, it wasn't, we've talked about this before, so I don't have to fully recap it, but you weren't capping yourself Mm -hmm. in saying, I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to do these things. I'm whatever, but you are drawing in people that weren't up to the standard that you were desiring to be in a more committed relationship to, and you are in the recognition and power of knowing that I have exactly the same situations after a big heartbreak for me of being like, okay, well, I'm going to be not serious until Mm -hmm. I'm ready. And Mm -hmm. then when the real, the right person came along, I, I was able to very well recognize it. And I've joked that it's not really a joke. It's just kind of a mean thing to say, but I was filling my time pretty much knowingly filling my time with these relationships along the way. But I was truthful and honest to them. There was no, like you're saying, there was no misconception. Mm -hmm. I was, and that could have changed those feelings with that particular person could have changed. Sure. And I'll say, you know what, now I am ready to do this or yes, Mm -hmm. let's do that now. But it, it was more so being in line with my authenticity and my, mm-hmm. and connected to my real emotions while I was going through my own journey. Here's yes, 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 yes. Here's another example that just popped into my head that I, I want to share because it's the, it's in that same sphere, but it was legitimately holding my boundaries around sex. So when I, so I, I like, dated online on like, okay, Cupid. And I think match, like this was before Tinder. This was like 2011, 2012. Mm -hmm. And I met this guy and I met him like two days before I met the guy that I ended up being engaged to. So we like hung out once and then had made plans to hang out again. But then I met um, my ex and I like called things off with this other guy. Cause I was like, no, I, I like this guy better. And I've never been one to like if I knew I really like somebody, I'm going to pull a Claire, like Claire did on the most recent bachelorette. Like you meet the person, you like, don't stop dicking around. So I thought I had, I met somebody I was more interested in. So I was like, no, thank you. And like, just told this guy I'm not interested in things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then flash forward five years and I'm out of that engagement. And I like randomly can reconnect with this dude. I don't even remember how this guy that I had gone on like one day with. Similar story. (laughs) It's amazing sometimes how much we align. It's it's, I know I love it. Um, so he was like back in Michigan visiting family, like a half hour away from me. And I was like, Hey, yeah, if you want to like come meet up for a drink, like I'm down, but you know, like, don't feel like you have to drive to Grand Rapids. Cause he lived like a half but this hour is away. You had gone on like one ish days day. with. Yeah. Yep. And okay. I was like, cool. Like glad to know you're around. And he's like, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll be there in like two hours. And I was like, I just said like, if you're in Grand Rapids, maybe we like, yeah, just to clarify, like, I am not like super excited about this, like setting my day up around you being in Grand Rapids. But he comes to town and we, um, he like texts me and I was like, yeah, I'm like on my porch. If you want to like grab a drink, we can go grab a drink. He's like, well, why don't I just bring like wine over to your porch? And I was like, uh, okay. Like, that's fine. Sounds nice. Yeah. 
Um, so he came over and we like split a bottle of wine and then he's like acting really awkward. And I had only like hung out with him once. So I don't have much to go on, but he had also gone through, he had had like this weird fall where like it really fucked up all the nerves in his arms. So he's like telling me these stories and like, he can't quite use one of his arms the same way anymore. Cause his nerves don't work anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he starts like being, he doesn't have much game. So he starts basically like insinuating, like, aren't we going to have sex? And I just looked at him and I was like, no, like mm-hmm. you've gone on one date before. And then you come over and like, thanks for the bottle of wine. Like, I'll give you 20 bucks if you want to like go halvesies on it. But like, I, nowhere in our conversation did that come up and no, I am not just going to fall into this like cliche you have of like, go reconnect with a girl you went on a date with once and like have sex. Like that's not going to happen. And he got, if you had wanted to do that, that would have been fine. Right. If that had felt like the the story that you wanted or whatever, and you also weren't, you know, holding on to any outcome, you Mm -hmm. didn't have that as an expectation or not. You didn't say, Oh my God, this is, this is us getting back together. Maybe this is how this was supposed to go. The other relationship had I'm not, I hate using the failed word, but I know that's our yeah. ego word for it, yep. you know, and oh my God, now here he is. Like, yeah. how is this going to go? But it's yeah. like, no, you had no expectation of the outcome. You had a fully released outcome and yep. you were being authentically aligned into yourself and knowing what you were wanting or not. So now exactly. you're saying, no, we're not having sex. Exactly. And I had had that realization because at that time I was getting better and better at aligning with myself. So I was able to do check-ins like, well, while I was on a date, I wouldn't even have to like take myself to the bathroom. I would just like do a little self check in and like almost muscle test. And I would lean so little that they wouldn't even be able to tell Mm -hmm. what I was doing. It just looked like I was shifting. And I like asked myself, I was like, he's not right for me. Is he like at all on any level? And I got like a hard yes. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is so fucking easy because I did the thing. I investigated it. Like on paper, he seemed like a really cool dude in reality, not jiving with it at all. And so I was Mm -hmm. able to just be like, no, thank you. And then he, the, for the next like day, he sent me like super passive texts about like, mm. well, I'd like to see you again, but like, I don't want what happened last time to happen. And I was like, okay, then bye. Like go right. get on Tinder. If like, AKA, oh, I yeah. want to know that you're going to hook up with me. Right. right. That's what that's saying. I don't yeah. want to have happen what happened, happen is like, no, but this time I want you to hook up with me. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's like, like, you're not that subtle. <laughs> no, you're not subtle at all, dude. Um, yeah. And it, so it was just a really good boundary setting. And I felt like for me, that was the first time I was able to do that and not be like, uh, what? Cause like sex to me, then I held very differently than I do now. And so I wasn't one to be like, to like turn down sex necessarily. I'd be like, Oh sure. Yeah. Whatever. Like my number is my number. I don't really care. Like it'd be fun to have sex. So it was weird for me to say no, but I had such an emphatic no, and I was able to hold on to it, which was weirder for me still because I wasn't right. very good at that. And time not feeling pressured into well, you came mm-hmm. over, you drove all this way, you brought this, you're yeah. making these condolences. Yeah. You know, it's like no. When yeah. your body says no, it's a no. And I want to really emphasize to this that that applies while you're in a relationship, when Absolutely. you're in a marriage, no is no emphatically. Yeah. If that's what your body is reading, if that's how you're feeling, 
that that is so valid. That's Mm -hmm. why marital rape is finally recognized through our legal system. And it is so valid. Mm -hmm. And you need to hear that like so strongly is that a no is a no, regardless of your circumstances. And regardless of of where you are in the session too. Like Mm -hmm. if you're yes for a minute and you're fooling around and then all of a sudden you're a no, you're a no then and back out. valid. Yeah, it's totally valid. Mm -hmm. Yes. So yay boundaries. <laughs> yay boundaries. Okay. So it, how did we get here? All right. Mm-hmm. So in, so I've done a lot of like reflecting on this recently of really looking back into what, what protection looked like for myself as a child. Mm-hmm. And so I, I am a deep empath. It's not something that I boasted about myself. I don't, people who boast about it, I'm just like, are you serious? <laughs> I don't, I You're honestly not. don't. Yeah. Most empaths <laughs> like, are like, if you're suffering. an empath, you just, you are, and you're too busy internalizing yes. all the bullshit around you to be and like, so, oh, I'm an empath. I'm saying it now from a very like self-aware place of mm-hmm. recognizing, oh, this is why all of this is happening to me and being able to put to me like a label on it and therein, you know, researching and using strategies that help and support me has been a, a life changer. And I like, this sounds ridiculous to myself. I didn't fully say that or acknowledge it to myself until November, 2019. So Mm. just over a year ago, and I'm almost, I'll be 32 in February, like, and it's taken me this long. Mm -hmm. And I say this long because this has definitely been something as an empath that has affected my entire life. And when I, so in RTT sessions, which is what I do, we use hypnosis, which taps into your inner self, your subconscious, your emotional state, the part of you that remembers all things that's ever happened to you. And in doing so, in looking, using regression to look at these scenes, to look at these times of my life, to see it from the awareness state of now and being, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like what I do for people is really like what happens to Scrooge in, um, in a Christmas carol. We go back and we look at this and say, okay, oh my gosh, this is what else was going on. Or this is how I saw myself. This is what was happening. And in doing that, it has been so apparent to me that I was so much in this emotional suffering because I didn't have those boundaries. So I would isolate my, so what did I do? I isolated myself from groups. I never participated with, with children. They were too much for me to handle. I spent my elementary school years walking the playground by myself or with an adult. I, um, I wore red all the time. Red was and has been my favorite color up until about a year and a half ago, right? When I kind of shifted this, but red represents protection. And, and I was like, Oh, now I can see this in a whole nother way. I was literally calling in all of these things to help protect myself energetically almost always having something that was red on me. Mm -hmm. And it was a way to help ground me and protect my energy. That was just this uncontrolled open space because I wasn't in the awareness of it. And it was like, I was in constant absorption mode and Mm -hmm. had to do these things to try to help, but I didn't know. So it was 
unconsciously, I was doing all these things. They were probably guided by my spirit guides. I think a lot of these things with attachments that I had when I was very little. Yeah. And I'm glad and recognize that. But now in seeing, I'm like, that's why red was my favorite color. Like it was this dawning moment. I would also spend a lot of time walking in, in nature or spending time in nature by myself, even if it was just, you know, going to the corner of our property and things like that. Mm -hmm. So what I also noticed is how much my parents' relationships affected me and Mm. with their kind of tumultuous relationships at times through, you know, situations that I couldn't understand as a four-year-old child, but was absorbing so much of that and needing to fix it in order to help myself, you know, obviously to help them, but from this energy, I was so emotionally distraught all the time. And that actually took me until I was about 26, 27 before I said, no, I can't hold this space for you anymore. Yeah. Good for you. And so that it was a, a, a slew of things of really recognizing that I was absorbing so much of my mother's energy and really being in a codependent relationship with her in that way, being an obliger tendency on my end and an empath and our own soul contracts together, blah, 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 blah. But really being, I needed to say, we got to a tipping point where my family had been in, in massive crisis, super survival mode with my set, my dad and my sister, both being hospitalized for different things at the same time. And just Mm -hmm. this utter chaos in our house. And then I closed my bridal shop when things kind of started to ease up. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, I really recognized that my mom was really stuck in her, in the trauma of what had been happening in our recent events. Mm -hmm. And she was really stuck in this sadness and layer of depression. And there was this moment and that's what it was. It was this moment where I said, I can't stay there with you. I didn't say it to her because I couldn't yet. I was recognizing it. I was like, I can't stay there with you. I could feel her looping and staying down when I wasn't and I couldn't, and I could see a different light than what I could show to her. Mm -hmm. And that was really how I feel like that was the best translation of how that was. I could see a different light than what I could show to her. And what that really meant was I needed to pursue my health, my well-being, my light in order to have any semblance of being a guide for her or another person. Because the level that we were in with the chaos of the family and situations, it would have destroyed both of us. If I would have stayed down, I think we both would have stayed. It would have gotten very dark for us. And- and that would have been, we would have been like, yeah, that's realistic. <laughs> like yeah. it's totally, yeah. totally okay. And there would have been a light because there's always a light. There's always an opportunity. There's always an uprising. I was able yep. to recognize it at the point that I did and started to move forward. Yep. And at 27, I said, I have to start living for myself. Yep. I have to start dressing like I'm 27 and not like I'm going to see my grandparents yes. every day. I have to start pursuing relationships that are fulfilling to me and not just in hopes that they'll be approved by my mother and my family. I'm going to be pursuing um, my interests, my sole purpose, my passions, regardless of how they're perceived by others. Mm -hmm. And I really started to shift into living for myself. And that is when I started to create boundaries for the first time in my life. 
27 mm -hmm. years old, started to really stand up for my actual self, my actual needs, my feelings, leaning in and saying, what is my energy yep. and what am I absorbing? That yep. was, that is, that is still, that has been when I have been triggered, pushed uh, throughout these years. Now, since making this decision, that has been the most crucial and helpful um, question for me in creating my boundaries. Is this my energy? Is this yep. my emotions? Or is this someone else's? And when it's someone else's, I have the ability and capability to release it and separate it from me. And everyone has that capability. Yes. You have to just start setting the intention of it. Mm -hmm. So like if you feel, because I do the same thing. And of course we very much have similar stories with our mothers, which just cracks me up, but it's just another wonderful synchronicity between our lives. Um, and I had to do the same thing because I had a very codependent relationship with her and my mm -hmm. actual relationship with my ex was also a healing analogy for my relationship yes. with my mother, because he also struggled with depression and alcoholism. And that's what I grew up with. And mm -hmm. even though I just had a conversation with my mom the other day and she's like, well, I was going through my stuff, but I only drank when you were asleep. I was like, doesn't matter. I was in the same house and I was picking up on that energy. Like, yeah. I, like I understand that she tries to rationalize it in her own way. And that's a boundary I've had to set for myself now too, which is Yes, she thinks she was she was doing everything to the best of her ability, and I honor yes. her for that. Mm -hmm. And it still had negative, at like drama, drama right. for for me as a small child and as an adult child mm -hmm. too. Um, but you have to be able to say, "This is not mine," and I release it. And then a follow up question is: It can this. be that easy. It's it, literally it that is. easy. When yes. we're saying this, these are actually the words that I do. And often I will maybe I'll breathe down into myself and give a nice exhale to kind of release it. It can be that simple as saying that because in the recognition, in the awareness, there is freedom, yep. right? Because you can recognize, and this is why we so emphasize being in that awareness mode, mm -hmm. being able to tune into yourself, why those setups, right? Mm -hmm. Why that background is so integral. It's because in those moments where I'm all of a sudden screaming because of something that had nothing to do with me, mm -hmm. and I can be like, Ariel, what are you doing right now? <laughs> it's so, Can it's like, stop. And yeah. then I'm like, is this mine or is this someone else's? This is someone else's because it has nothing to do with me. It's not directly involved with me. I'm upset because I'm upset for them. Okay. Yep. Okay. Is cool. this a positive way? Is this a productive way? to defend them? Is this a positive way yep. to protect them? Is this a positive way for me to hold space for them? Not right now. Yeah. Okay, then stop doing that, right? Another out and, and say, ask myself, what is better? What yep. is more beneficial, right? And that's why I was able to, to tell why standing up for this girl with her dad, I was able to do but when my partner is in a fight with his ex-wife, it's not it's not helpful for me to get super upset because now it feels like for him, he has two really upset women in his life yeah. instead of one who's holding a loving, safe space for him and the other one who's upset. So yes. I had to shift into being like, yes, it doesn't it doesn't help me to be upset for him yep. in his defense. I have to have a different outlet for that yep. and be able to translate that into being a safe space for him yep. instead. 
So another follow-up question, if you identify that the feeling is not yours, is what am I actually feeling in this moment? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I will do, like, I'll be running around and feel anxious or feel like angry or frustrated and realize I'm absorbing something else. And then my emotion will be like, you feel blissful. And I'm like, I do? <laughs> yes, I love oh, oh, okay. Let's tune into that. That's way more yes, fun. That sounds way more fun. And, and I have literally had it be the complete opposite emotion. And then I just get to sit in that emotion. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is way more fun. This is like, yeah, like I'm going to turn on some music and like bliss out for a minute and asking yourself that just calms it down. And then Ariel's like train of like, how can I be here for this person? Or how can I take this Mm -hmm. emotion? That is going to give you a different kind of supported method of building that boundary. So it's really up to you to say like, what do I want to do? Your question was, I feel defensive. I feel he is wronged. Mm -hmm. I feel protective right? Those was what I can, you know, I can tally back into. Mm-hmm. And, and then I can say, okay, what is a healthier way to, to actually create those? Yeah. Is that what he's feeling from you right now in this response? No. Okay. Mm-hmm. What would help him feel like you're protecting him? Like you're defending him, like you're supporting him. It's like, okay, yes. All right. Lower your voice, calm your energy down. Because it's not your energy, it's not my energy that I was picking up on that was so inflamed. And that was, that was, this has been a huge, huge issue for me, um, yeah. is, is battling. I went from my parents' marriage to uh, my partner's marriage, and I had to find how I was separate and I was in my own space in both of those relationships and in both of those fights and how that transpired right yeah. and how I was able to to hold my personal space boundary in a positive happy productive way where I now can support these people in a way that doesn't that isn't to my detriment yep Whew. yeah I know it's a lot and there's a lot more good tips tricks and stories for support uh coming up but I just wanted to hop in and let you know that we're also hosting a women's circle. We started these last week um, when we were supposed to start our Messy Path course. And right now, this is what feels most aligning for Whitney and I is to host some pop-up free women's circles. So follow us on Instagram and on our websites, and we'll keep you posted on when our events are um, coming up. But we are having one Thursday, the 21st um, at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And you can find more details for that in the show notes um, and um, on our personal pages. Thanks for listening. Back to the show. Another really cool thing that just popped into my head as you're learning to set boundaries it would be very beneficial to you if you don't already know your human design to learn your human design because Mm -hmm. you will get the biggest flipping ahas over why it is you show up the way you do in different relationships and how it is you emotionally respond to those things. Because myself as a manifesting generator who has like sacral energy going out the wazoo and also has, um, I'm forgetting what I, my, heart is open. So I immediately feel the the heart energy Mm -hmm. and the emotional energy of like anybody I'm around. 
that has helped me so much realize like, okay, when I'm absorbing other people's emotional energy, my sacral motor goes into solve it drive. And I have had to teach myself, like, it is not my responsibility to solve other people's emotional problems and support their emotional needs unless they when ask they don't me want to. It. Exactly. Yes. So of unless course, I said that at the same time, <laughs> right. because that is now also your job. But now you're doing it in a way where people have to come to you. They have to go through essentially those checkpoints to say, yes, I am ready to do this. I am asking you to work on this for you. I'm giving you permission to be invited into my emotional space and help uplift me, which is a completely different energy than just going up to someone on the street and yelling, I can heal your trauma. (laughs) Trust me. I like, I have have interactions with people in my like nine to five job where I'm like, can we just can we please just set up a session together because like I want to dive into this with you so badly but like and being uh, able to separate that Mm -hmm. right being able to separate coach Whitney from regular person Whitney is a a positive positive space boundary right it is being able to recognize I'm not going to what I would say what I say is I'm not going to bleed out for you anymore Mm. because that that was the level that it felt like for me was, and I've, I've never cut myself and I've never done that, but mm-hmm. that was the level emotionally that mm-hmm. I would feel like I'm just bleeding out for them. Yep. I totally get that. Yeah. I'm giving so much of myself that I'm literally giving myself to you. Mm-hmm. And it was in a way that was so physically draining on my emotional well being. And I can say all of this and say, what did you actually look like during that time? Well, when I was a kid, I spent a lot of time by myself. <laughs> when I was in middle school, I tried to make it happen. When I was in high school, I was uh, a leader, and and but I faced a lot of adversity. But when I was a leader, I was able to create a boundary around myself. I wasn't mm-hmm. in the group. I was separate from the group, and that mm-hmm. was a boundary for myself. When I was in college, I was exploring and creating my friend groups. When I was after college, I was isolated. I was mm. isolating. I was isolating. Mm. I was also working in bridal, helping people make things beautiful. I was owning my own bridal shop. I was operating in this sense of welcoming people into my life. I was yeah. creating beautiful things. And inside I felt this, this bleeding out of, of all these other pressures around my, my personal lives where I wasn't in balance. Mm-hmm. So what was the big switch? Did I really just say only, okay, mom, I'm not going to hold space for you. No, this looked like a really big drag out fight and it lasted a substantial amount of time. And what happened in there was I got quiet and she did not like that, right? There was a ton of pushback. Why aren't you talking to me as much? Why aren't you saying as much? Why aren't you doing that? And I would just have to be like, I am, I'm right here, or I just don't have much more to say about that or whatever. I started just kind of playing this other role that was completely foreign to me where I was just being quiet, but that was what I needed to do Mm because she wasn't listening to advice. She wasn't listening to commentary or feedback. She wasn't actually asking me to help her. Mm -hmm. She was asking me to feed her and Mm -hmm. I couldn't do Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So then, then I, you know, blew up more of my life, right? So in this this, this decision to start living for myself, to pursue my sole purpose, to have positive space boundaries. I dismantled everything that I knew about my life, right? I've said this countless times where I, my 
My mom disowned me. I pursued a relationship that was outwardly toxic and inwardly the most peaceful thing I've ever experienced. Um, I lost, I manifested a job, lost a job. I moved into my own place, lost the job that afforded me the place, was somehow gifted money by the universe because I wasn't making enough money to stay there at all, but I did. And through all of this was immense chaos. I get to the peak of my immense chaos and I have my RTT session. I had my first RTT session Mm. because in all of this chaos, I was surrendering, 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 trusting, surrendering, trusting, surrendering, trusting, being led, being guided, trusting, surrendering. (laughs) And then that brought me to this absolutely magical, magnificent, deep, uplifting, connecting, grounding, connecting RTT session, rapid transformational therapy session with Christy Bartelt my mentor savior you know mm-hmm. and and she would say i'm not your savior she would immediately reprimand yeah. me and say i'm my own savior right this is yeah. me trusting my inner guidance and bringing yeah. that together yeah christy christy's session, the tool yeah tool yep mm-hmm. in my session i was able to connect to a deeper level of myself a deeper level to my truth I reconnected to God in a way that I didn't realize I had lost. Okay. I say Mm -hmm. that in a way where I didn't realize I had lost this connection to the level that it did, but what it was doing was this reminder from God that the connection was never lost, Mm -hmm. but it was reigniting it. And it was reigniting it at a deeper, stronger, more connected level. That was the leveling up. And what I say to my clients is that when we do this healing, when we do this reconnection, because that's really, you know, when I say healing your trauma, what that is really doing is we're bringing you back, reconnecting you to your inner truth, that Mm -hmm. you're enough, that you're lovable, that you're connected in all ways, always, that you matter, that you're worthy and feeling that into the deepest core of yourself. Mm-hmm. And what we do in that is really raise the standard upon which you present yourself. Mm-hmm. I say, you know, at some point in our lives, our the mountain of ourselves has turned to silt, right? And we become soft and malleable. And those are our, our they're full of our stories, right? Our good girlness, our obliger tendencies, our people pleasing, all of these things. Yeah. Well, I have to do that. This is the patriarchy pressure. All of these things turn our base, our grounding to silt. And what we do in our TTN with others, you know, with other things, but this is what I really do for people mm-hmm. is reground themselves to the sturdy knowingness that they are enough, that they are connected. Mm-hmm. And it raises in doing so the, the standard of yourself, the standard of your mountain, so that although you're going through the fluctuations, you're not bottoming out, you're not hitting out, you're creating these positive space boundaries. So even though you're triggered or going through other adversities or other things, you're not going to that dark depth that you were before, what you're doing is the expansion, right? And that's what I think so much of like what Wendy and I have even been talking about in her experiences recently, Whitney, is that you're not at that level where you're drinking away your pain and, Mm -hmm. and numbing yourself out. You're saying, I'm pursuing these things and feeling my body for the first time in my life, right? Where we're connecting into this. So even though you're doing all these things Mm -hmm. that are, what they are is expansive. Mm -hmm. So when I was able to do this, 
I came out of this session and I was like, Oh, just like, yes. Like it was, it's so draining because it was releasing so many things, releasing. So the most pressure release I've ever felt in my life, just letting go and the ability and permission to let go of all these things that I was holding on to that was creating this low spot for Mm -hmm. myself and, and doing that. Um, and raising the bar for myself. Now, did I walk out into my life and have a heart stars and horseshoes life? Absolutely not. This is when, when you cut the cord, they lash back out with Mm -hmm. a vengeance, with a vehement. And in doing so, my mother disowned me two or three times. She, you know, came into my house in the middle of the night and took my bed away from the house that I was paying for. I mean, it was crazy. Mm. She would come and stand outside of, of the, of my, my boyfriend's apartment while I was in there and yell at me, come outside, come out and talk to me, you know, get out here. Right. Calling me names, calling me things that I feel so terrible saying this about my mother because this is not how I view her this is not who she is this is her trauma her all of these things that was lashing out to try to pull me back with her because that's what she needed to feel safe and this is the example of the their reaction to your boundaries that then you have to dig in and keep holding those boundaries because they Mm -hmm. will react they will do everything they've always done on steroids and depending on the personality, like I'm not saying this is your mom at all, but like if you're dealing with somebody who's in any way manipulative or narcissistic, they will go next effing level on you. So let's talk about the next level that happened. So my mom is doing all of this, Mm -hmm. but I am, you know, call blasting me and calling me and just leaving messages that say, call me, you have to call me, right? Sure. Like anything to bait you. Anything. And all while this is happening, my dad is still on terrible fringe health, right? So, you know, there's always something going on. And my grandpa was also dying at another time. There's real life things that my mom could be calling me in a panic about, but they weren't. That wasn't what she was calling me about. She was calling me about her emotional insecurities because I took her base away. I took her base away by creating my own base and my own foundation because she was so emotionally dependent on me, codependent, right, at Mm -hmm. that time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I can't do this for you though right now, right? And I had to do it for me first. So it's putting the gas mask, right, on yourself, the breathing mask before you put it on the person. That's what I was having to do. And I had to just say, no, mom, I can't come over. No, you can't come over. No, I'm going to be gone. If you come over in the middle of the night, if you keep up this, I'm not going to be here. Um, If you leave me a message, tell me what the message is about. And then I will call you back. If you don't leave me a real message, I'm not going to call you back. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, and I would have to say this and then I didn't call her back. And I waited her out and she would call me 16 times again the next day, but no real message. I'm waiting her out. Or I would wait until I was in a calm and collected place to call Mm -hmm. her back and say, hi, mom, how are you doing today? Yeah. This is what's been going on with me. And almost just completely ignore that she had been cycle calling me for the last two days. Why didn't you answer my calls? What are you doing? What? 
if you're if if you have something to chat about with me, did you see the lat- latest episode of blah 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 or how's yeah. dad doing? Did you talk to grandma today? Because I think I'm gonna go over and you know shovel her snow. Blah, blah. Well, if you don't have anything nice to talk about, I'll catch up with you later. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, you know, and I would cry. Don't get me wrong, I would sob after this. Yeah. And- it would be gut-wrenching and I would feel terrible. But the more I did it, the less that was my response. Yep. And instead of crying for, for three days because I felt bad about not doing what she wanted me to do and the way she wanted me to do it. And again, yep. this isn't my mother's fault. This is our relationship, my thing with it, how this was moving through to crying for five minutes, a half an hour an hour, yeah. you know, and it was processing and it was releasing instead of being stuck and beating myself up, which is how it was before. Yeah. Okay. So that was that same time. Other hand, my partner was separated from his wife. He was going through the divorce process. She was doing the, the, the wife at the time was doing exactly the same kinds of things, but to a little kicked up level because she wasn't my mother. Yeah. Okay. So she was coming to my job, yelling at me at my job, got me fired from my job. She'd show up at my house, leave me messages at my house. She would stalk me, stalk us, send me voicemails, um, message my family. Wow. Who she never met, never knew, like wasn't connected with. Wow. Call my mother at her job, stalk down everything that she could could find. Not, I need to say this, not pleading for me to, you know, leave her husband who she was clearly abusing physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, um, sexually. Okay. All of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but just thwarting us with, with lies and, and attacks, um, constantly. So, so this ends up, um, ramping up to her, um, sending some very physically threatening messages um, about me to my partner and with very specific timelines and, and actions. I will never let her do this. You know, I much more descriptive than that, but I don't need to revisit it. Mm -hmm. And then her being parked outside of my house at midnight that night which led me to calling the police, (laughs) having like a big roundabout thing. And our plan was to file a restraining order the next day anyway, but because of our work schedule, you know, coming home and being home, I was home. I was waiting for my partner to come from his, from Mm -hmm. being done. And she's parked outside and she's parked outside in a way where then when she moves, she parks me in she starts coming in towards my house oh my god at the night that she had sent this very physically threatening message and this leads to us filing a restraining order the next day and going through that process so you want to talk about boundaries you file a restraining order is like this is what the line is yeah the process in that right so here i am this is in full vulnerability here right here i am in a relationship with a man who his divorce is still coming up in two months. Mm-hmm. His wife, who is that status at that time, is mm-hmm. ridiculously attacking me. But I'm feeling like, 
but I'm in the wrong. He's still technically married, right? I'm still having yeah, I'm my own homework. How can I, right. Yeah. How can I be, even though they were separated when we started it, but yeah. it's like, yes, all of those things that I was judging myself for that society was judging me for that. I wasn't admitting to, to myself, like all of these things stacked on top. And I said, how am I supposed to go in there and say, excuse me, my partner's wife is um, being really mean to me. Yeah. Right. And that was like this crushing weight of, of, of me not feeling worthy of having a positive space boundary in this situation of not saying I'm deserving of a safe environment, (laughs) you know, and everybody is, that's the thing. Exactly. And I'll say to the note that I was not responding. She would call this. I wouldn't respond when she would attack me or other people in messages. I wouldn't respond to her. The only things that I would say is, you know, this isn't to be discussed with me. This is between you and your husband. Right. And, um, and this is his, you know, it's his choice and this is how things are. And then it got to the point where I said, if you keep contacting me in this way, I will be filing restraining order. And then of course she kicked it up a triple notch and that's what it happened. So even though I did it right. So now I'm setting that boundary for myself, right. As we talked about in the beginning, Mm -hmm. now I have to toe the line. Now I have to hold that boundary in court, in front of someone who I have to admit in, in a courtroom, in front of a commissioner that I'm in a relationship with someone who's married. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) The worst. Never thought I would ever be in that situation in my life. Right. It's still super difficult for me to say, knowing that this is going to be heard by other people, Yeah, you know? And it's like, but this is my truth in this situation. Yeah. So the first night, so because he filed a restraining order as well, because this was also happening to him to mm-hmm. an even bigger extent, but she was, they were in the divorce process. Yeah. So it, what essentially came down to is like, they talked to him the first day and her, and okay. then even though we were in the, we were all in there together and yeah. then we took like a break and we had to come back a second day to hear me. Mm. And I was like, Whoa, wasn't expecting that. Yeah. My energy going in the first day was of the victim, was of the person who is in the wrong. I felt guilty, right? I felt guilty. I felt deserving of all of the the hatred and spew and horrendous things. I felt like I deserved it, which is another, I was responding with nothing to be calm. And I was also responding in nothing to be respectful. And also because I deserved it. And here I was coming in still feeling like, well, but I deserve this, right? Because Mm -hmm. I'm in the wrong space in being in this relationship, even though I know he's my soulmate. It's like, okay. So then I was like, I had to go through a whole process. And I did a um, energy, um, what did I do? Emotion code healing process where I ended up getting like a bunch of curses lifted from me. And I was like, that makes sense from her. And I was like, mm. okay. And I'm going into it, the, the courtroom the next time and amping myself up. I mean, even mm. the night before I'm like, do I deserve this? Do I, that I'm in the wrong, all these things. Sure. And I was like, no, I'm deserving. This is above and beyond 
the response to what I'm doing. Yeah. I am not physically threatening someone. I am not doing this. I am not doing that. I yeah. am, you know, respond. We're not sharing our relationship on Facebook. We're not going out in front of people. We're not, you know, taunting her with anything, you know, yeah. and it took me going through those processes to be able to build that up in myself to re recognize and remember my enoughness that even if I was doing those, I wasn't acting yeah. outward in a way that was detrimental to her, even though obviously the situation was. Yeah. And I stood up in myself and said, no, I deserve this protection. I deserve this boundary. I am deserving of this. This was out of out of line for a response for what is normal, right? Mm -hmm. This is, this was extra. This is beyond um, what the situation called for. Yeah. And went into the courtroom, presented my case now from an aligned, stronger, grounded position where I, you know, I sat up straight in my chair, right? I didn't go in with, with my coward hidden inner child. Yeah. I sat up with my queen self and said, you know, uh, I deserve the protection of the court. Mm -hmm. And I was granted the restraining order. And that was huge for me in mm -hmm. setting those intentional space boundaries. Yeah. And it was what she needed as well. Absolutely. She stopped because she, she would have gone to jail had she kept mm -hmm. it going. Sure. And I still had that piece of paper. I had a piece of paper. I had the, the you know, the restraining order thing listed in my wallet. And I just took it out the other day. Wow. Because that's how much this was like pressure on me like yeah. for this, even though it had expired now a year ago, a year and a half ago, something sure. like that. Yeah. You still and felt that. Still felt like threat. I need to hold on to this. Yeah. But I'm like, okay, I don't need this anymore because my protection can come from inside me. And I fully support people who I've helped other people get their restraining orders and things like that. Mm -hmm. There isn't just what we're combining here isn't just the woo-woo, but also the practical. There's yeah. certain steps you have to take in order to physically, practically protect yourself, right? And also when you're walking to your car late at night, yeah. invite the loving light of God and the angels in and protect you and imagine that bubble of light space around you as you're walking to your car. I Yeah. Call, hold your maze, yep. you know? and hold your maze. Right. Yep. And this is, it is those intentions and it's combining the, the woo woo and the practical mm -hmm. and right. Which is taking the aligned action in that. Yeah. Term. Yeah, absolutely. And that like, it fully encompasses so much of what boundaries are about is that you can take, you have to take the physical steps to like retrain your brain into believing what you're deserving of. And you have to invite whatever level of, you know, otherworldliness that you may believe in. Like this, this isn't prescriptive. You don't have to believe the way that Ariel believes or the way that I believe, or, you know, like take your faith if you have faith mm -hmm. in anything and apply it to this work too. Like there's nothing wrong for just shouting out. My mom calls them javelin prayers. Like just imagine that you're throwing like a javelin, which, you know, like is a long spear, mm -hmm. like up to, up into the universe. Like just help me please. Like th that's all you need to ask for sometimes. And 100%, I have been in some sketchy ass situations where I just asked for that kind of help. And like, I, I could have been yes. murdered, well, raped, and this goes whatever. Back to our, our free will, 
Mm-hmm. Free will versus destiny, right? It's that we have free will. And because we have free will, we have to ask for help. Mm-hmm. We are set upon the course by ourselves, and we have to ask for the guides. We have to ask for the angels. We have to ask for God to step in. They're always there. They're always there circulating us. And sometimes they're going to be like, hey, we're going to, you know, hook you on this one. We're going, we have to help you on this one. Yep. And other times they need, you need to call them in. And yep. that's what I was doing in that process is really calling in that energy, calling in that belief in myself that the right things that needed to happen would transpire, yep, right? I didn't say, if I didn't get this restraining order, I'm going to die, right? Yeah. My energy going into this was, I am deserving of positive space and protection from the court. Mm-hmm. And I am inviting in like the outcome that best serves all people. Yes. And that Absolutely. was the energy that I was calling in for that type of particular situation. Yep. And that's, I think, what we always need to be focusing on is what is the betterment of all, right? Calling in everyone to the light and releasing what we think the outcome should be into what, what is going to be full of light, right? What's the best outcome for all? And in releasing what our belief is, we open it up to be guided from the universe in that way as well. Mm-hmm. So I'll say- And that's another like example too, of as you're getting better at setting these boundaries, like allow yourself to ask for that. Like, allow me to practice setting this boundary today. And in knowing that you might not be perfect at it, like you might set the boundary to like not reach out to that unhealthy person in your life that Mm -hmm. like always, and these boundaries also don't have to be like someone who is mean to you or do, or taking an act out on you, like someone who is, you know, like a, an ex that is negative. It could just be the friend that like, every time you talk to them, they just drag your energy down. Mm-hmm. You know, these kind yes. of boundaries can be like, okay, I'm not texting her every single day. Cause she's just kind of an, in a negative phase. And I can't yep. handle that right now. And this also happens when we're in growth transition, mm-hmm. right? How many of us have lost friends, lost connections or shifted those mm-hmm. connections and friendships because we've been going through this kind of energetic transitioning, growing up process, right? What they don't tell you in middle school when you're reading growing up, pro, you know, growing up books, books what do they call yeah. them? The coming of age stories is mm-hmm. that you are always coming of age. You are always <laughs> stepping up into your higher self. And in doing so, you might lose a friend because yep. they are not stepping up in the same level, the same way, the same time as you are. Yep. And that is can be the byproduct of this as well. But in doing so, creating that boundary, creating that space, you are still moving into a better space for yourself. I still miss people I was friends with that I've lost along the way, but I honor and respect that friendship for what it was in that time space reality that is no longer in existence today. You know Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's allowing, what boundaries help you do is keep you from getting too rooted to a certain era in your life, especially when you're doing the growth like that, because you can get stuck, you know, you can't, you, and there's nothing wrong with being stuck in a certain era. And I really do believe like, especially now that I'm in the phase of life that I'm in, where I have done an F ton of growth in my late twenties and early thirties. And now I'm like settling into what sustained growth looks like, which means like, you're going to have peaks and valleys of continuing to grow. And I now get to see where certain people in my life are sitting along the way. And it's like, Oh, okay. I, 
I think my judgment on it is my observation is they're pretty happy with how far they've made it in this life. And maybe that's their destiny to just like be at this space in life. Like let them go into that. (laughs) Yeah. And it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that I'm not connected with them anymore. It just means that like, I might not be able to have the type of conversations I have with them that I have with Ariel, for example. Or knowing that you're not responsible for saving them. Yes, exactly. That's a big thing. So Mm -hmm. even like right now, I'm, you know, there's unresolved like relationships with my partner's side of the family and things like that. And I will constantly get this itch of like, what more can I do? How can I help Mm -hmm. this? What can I be a part of this to be part of, you know, the light if I was part of the problem, which is debatable. And then I'm like, uh, the messages that come in is this isn't your space. This isn't your fight. This isn't your role. And it's like, okay, what can I do? I can send them love and light in this. I can make sure that I'm still in a good space. So just recently, you know, I'm not untriggered forever now that I've had this restraining order, now that these things have happened, right? So just recently, I found out that um, the ex-wife and the sister, the estranged sister-in-law call themselves soul sisters now, which is for sure, for sure for sure, not their language base. They mm. are for sure picking this up from cyber stalking me and for sure using it to mock me. Mm. Who knows? Maybe now, like I had to really step into an awareness mode, like step back mode and say, you know what, Ariel, maybe they are soul sisters and that's okay. Yeah. That the positive thing through all of this was that through this chaotic situation, they repaired their very toxic formerly relationship and now are bosom buddies because they are soul sisters and this was their journey. And then I was able to be like, okay. But before I got to that, I felt very violated, very attacked and very mocked. And what it was poking into was this witch wound, right? Which I'm acknowledging that I have now doing energy work of being like, yeah, it's unsafe to talk about this. It's unsafe to use my real language. It's unsafe to say I embody people's soul spaces, right? It's unsafe to do these things because it has been in literally all of our our formal lifetimes and still not relatively super safe yet today. We're making, what are we making? Positive space boundaries for them to be safe. Yes. I felt really uh, like attacked recently of like them still invading my spaces, mm-hmm. them still like stalking me, cyber stalking me in some way. And at this point I have my, my personal Facebook private. I have my business Instagram with her being blocked, but that doesn't block anyway. She's yeah. created fake profiles before. There's other people she has in contact with. You can Google search this and you can yeah. see a lot of stuff, right? So I know that I'm not like, actually safe because I'm sharing stuff on the internet, right? But I'm creating spaces that I feel more safe in. But here I am being like my Facebook business page is probably where she's seeing all this because I can't figure out how to, you know, make sure she doesn't, which is a false safety anyway. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, and so I was immediately grabbing into that hidden inner child, like fear mode. Yeah. How can I hide myself more? How can I hide these posts more? How can I do this? Maybe I'll create a private Facebook group. Everybody's been talking about it for a while. I should be doing it, blah, 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 but I haven't felt called to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to hide my stuff in there. And then Mm -hmm. I was like, 
is that the energy I want to go into this at? No. no. And I was able to have a conversation with a woman who was actually doing a workshop on boundaries. And we had this nice consultation call. And I was like, that was just like this really aligned random encounter, which nothing is random. Everything yeah. is, you know, divine coincidence. And, and I was, and she is the one who said, is it, is this your inner child? Her name is Lucy Price. And she said mm. this to me, right? She's like, is this your hidden inner child or is, or are you stepping into your queen mode? And mm. I was like, oh my gosh. And she's not the first person to use the queen metaphor to me this year. And I'm like, where is this metaphor coming from? But yeah. okay, I hear you because it's not in my regular language. And I realized that maybe this was coming up, this triggering feeling for me, not so that I could hide more, but that I could create an intimate safe space that would be open for enhancing the relationships with my clients. Mm. And now I have shifted my intention, shifted my understanding, shifted my emotional energy around mm. this in creating a private Facebook group. And I've created the private Facebook group. And what? now it's not from a hidden space, like a, a fearful space, yeah. but I'm like, oh, I see how sharing in this space will be benefit to my clients interacting with each other, yeah, with, me yeah. interacting with them, with me being able to share more intimate details or special offers or things like that, that can enhance through intimacy, right? Yeah. And this word intimacy really kept coming forward. And it was like, how do you enhance through intimacy? So intimate connection, right? Like yep. And so connection. the, the image that I got, the metaphor that I received was like, if you have a packet of wildflowers and you sprinkle it across an entire field, they'll still grow, but there'll be one over here, one over there, one over here. There'll be mm -hmm. tall grass blocking some of them. But if you put them all in the same pot, they'll all bloom right there together and you'll be able to see them grow mm -hmm. and they'll still be able to bloom and they'll still be able to do it, but they'll have the protection. They'll have the guidance. The bumblebees will all have one central space to come and visit the flowers on. And then what do the bumblebees do? Move it to the other places. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it was about creating this safe space for them to build and grow in this intimacy, that. in the positive space boundary of a that. safe space for you to be able to grow and bloom. Mm -hmm. And then you can move on into the next space if that's what's right for you. I love that. That's amazing. Um, and so cool. And I'm happy to be a part of that space. Um, yeah. So I hope that this gives you all such a, a deep and like winding dive through how boundaries show up in your life, because it's not just like, set a boundary and, um, you know, don't work yeah. after five o'clock. Yeah. It's not like, you know, it's not, it's not super prescriptive. Like it's not just surface level. Like these boundaries are necessary in order to care for yourself and make sure that you're getting the, the sustenance that you need out of your own life and that you're, you're following your own path and like where you want to grow, because there are like Ariel said, infinite options for us with free choice to do and grow in whichever way we want to grow. And you can grow. This reminds me of the old Native American adage of within every person is two wolves, the white wolf and the black wolf. And it's the wolf that you feed that becomes the strongest. So if you want to keep engaging in that toxic friendship and feeding that gossipy nature, go for it. 
that black wolf is going to get real big, real mm-hmm. fast. And, what, I, and it's the, the, the light wolf and the dark wolf the, yeah. in energy, mm-hmm. right? Yep, it's exactly. the, the ego and the aligned the spirit. And mm-hmm. it's those opposing forces. Yep. Yeah. Um, and if you, if you stop and you say, you know, I want to interact with friends in a way that lifts all of us up and that allows us to create a space where we all feel excited and empowered about our connection and about what we're doing in our lives, instead of like gossiping about like, can you believe she didn't get that promotion or whatever the thing may be? That light wolf, that positive energy wolf is going to get that much bigger, that much faster too. And it really is intention. And then just reinforcing that. And it might be just saying every day, like I am no longer this. Mm -hmm. You might need to focus on that disconnect first and then Mm -hmm. build it into, I am now this and the positive alternative. And that kind of brings me into the exercise that I do with a lot of my clients, which um, is also part of my big relationship workbook that I have, um, Soulful Guide to Dating Workbook. This is something I use in relationships, but you can use it anywhere. And it's called um, your guardrails. So imagine like being on a highway and you know, like the really windy turns in the highway, they have guardrails to keep you on the road. So these are things as we're learning Such to set boundaries. Such a good metaphor for positive space boundaries, Thank right? You. Because yeah. it's not preventing you from seeing the the view that's on mm-hmm. the other side. It's not a wall, but it is protecting you and keeping exactly. you inside of that space. But absolutely. you could still choose to drive straight through them if you wanted to. <laughs> you absolutely can. Yep. And yeah, and you're not. Um, so as you set these, they are. I no longer want to interact from this mind space. That might be your guardrail. So let's say, let's talk about like the gossiping metaphor, because that's just a a good one to go with. I no longer want to interact with, you know, Joan at work in a gossipy way, because that's what you guys do. That's how you've bonded is like bitching over the boss or whatever. So that's your guardrail. Well, then what's your solution to like, keep you driving on your, you know, on your path, on your side of the road is... I will ask Joan questions like this. And this is where it kind of gets into the writing thing. So you can set your guardrails by just saying, what are the things I no longer want to do? Those become your boundaries. I don't want to gossip with Joan at work. I don't want to show up late to meetings. I um, don't want to allow myself to feel small when I'm presenting in a meeting. You know, whatever those things might be, this is just a work focused example, I guess. Um, So write out those guardrails and then the solution to those guardrails to keep you on the road are the alternatives that you'll do for yourself. So this is really tactical, like real life, but it gets you moving to then build that awareness of like, hmm, why do I need this guardrail? Oh, it's because I'm a real people pleaser and I just want everyone to like me. So I'll have any kind of conversation with anyone. It makes me feel really bad. Exactly. So you, it allows you to start diving deeper by first just analyzing what is happening in your daily life that's like dragging you down. So a way to get to these guardrails is to say, what are the interactions I have daily? Or what are the things that I do daily that like really drag me down that make me feel like, oh, like just kind of burnt out and sad and bummed. Turn those into guardrails and then look at the opposite and see what small actions you can take in the opposite way. So maybe it's um, you know, just at, here are 10 questions I can ask Joan instead of like asking her if she saw Susie Q's skirt yesterday and how ugly it was. Oh, you're mute. 
like my conversations with my mom, mom, yeah. if you don't have anything real to talk about today, I'm not going to engage with you in that. But if you want to talk about what's going on with this or that, or you want to tell me something that then, then we'll do it. And if not, I'll chat with you later. Right. Yep, it's holding exactly. on to that. What are you doing with that? Yeah, exactly. And then just monitor these guardrails. Like these aren't permanent necessarily. These are just the things yeah, that now I'm much rolling. more open with my mother. Yeah, right. And, yeah. and it, because, and when she steps over the line, like listening to podcast episodes, I told her not to listen to about my sex life. And she does and brings them up in our family conversation, you know, in the big <laughs> family get together yeah. in front of everybody. And I'm just like, well, that was very inappropriate. And I stopped talking, you know, I didn't yeah. engage with her. And she was like, it's, and then she apologized the next day. I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Here's yeah. the conversation I actually wanted to have with you. And I was like, okay, well, we could have just done that. But yeah. Yeah. these are the ways that you stepped over my boundaries. And this exactly. is how I was standing firm in them. Yep. So that's my like really simple little process that I tie into relationship work of any kind with how do you want to be showing up differently? Set these guardrails and just cruise with them for a little bit. And I encourage you to just set like one or two to start and just really keep a focus on them for a couple of weeks and look at it. Like I say about so much, look at it as a science experiment. So don't beat yourself up if you forget to hold the boundary or you like fall into that old habit or conversation. Like just say, okay, well, at least I had the awareness that I did that. And you might even have the awareness while you're having the conversation. And then it's a beautiful moment to like learn how to pivot in the conversation and be like, well, actually I was just thinking about this. Like, what if we talked about this for a minute? And you can be really blunt about that. Like there's no example or rule out there that says that once a conversation is started in a certain way, it needs to be finished out. Like that's another people pleaser tendency. There's nothing wrong with saying like, yeah, I don't really want to talk about this anymore. Period. That's fine. So if you find yourself like kind of not holding strong to your guardrails and coming into awareness of it mid conversation, I don't really feel like talking about this anymore. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like change of subject. And that's going to go right back to those, those political conversations. Exactly. You can be engaging in it. I also just, I'm a politically passionate person. And so when this goes, obviously, and I was really getting into it with someone in person and I love this person. And I, and we got to a point where I think they said something that was just inane and, mm -hmm. in, and would have been super escalating for me because I was like, Are you what? Kidding like me? what? Yeah. And I was like, instead of, I could feel it coming up. And I was like, that's not how I want to feel with this person. It isn't productive to our relationship to continue talking about something that is out of our control, mm -hmm. right? We've already voted. <laughs> we can't do anything else yep. about in this moment. It's not <laughs> yep. productive for us to have this conversation in this matter. And I just said, I just, she, she said something and I was like, who? And she said it. And I, instead of responding, I was, just took a breath and was like, I am so happy that you came over today, that we were able to talk. We've missed you guys so much, right? Because we haven't seen everybody in such a long time. And it's mm -hmm. like, I don't want to feel like this when we're doing it, but I still want to yeah. have those conversations. Sure. Um, but I'm like, this isn't positive anymore. Yeah. And, and I was like, and I just started talking about something else. And I said, okay, how is this other thing going? And I just full shifted into something else. And she took note and she took her breath and she responded to the completely unrelated question that I had for her, there you go. right? Yep. And we just shifted right over to it. And yep. had she, let's just say alternative situation, had she or I kept escalating, escalating, mm -hmm. escalating, 
we could have done that too. And then at that point, if they had said, okay, we're done, you know, it's like, okay, there's a releasing in needing to be right, you know, in this too, that happens in positive space boundaries. But yes, absolutely. Big emphasis that we come to is how do you want to feel in this situation? How do you want to feel with your friend, with your mom, with your partner, with your ex-partner? When you're thinking about that, when you see the political post on Facebook, when you find out your ex-boyfriend who didn't ever want to commit to you is now married with a baby, you know, when you see those, how do you want to feel? How do you want to feel in your interactions? That's what we're leading you to. What is that feeling? Mm -hmm. Do you want to feel like you're bleeding out? Do you want to feel like you're giving so much of yourself that you're not actually living in your fullness, that you're not standing in your truth, that you're jeopardizing, you know, your values, your beliefs, that you're no longer representing the light, but being sucked into the darkness, that you are um, overwhelmed, overtaxed, drained, emotionally upset. Um, mm-hmm. what are so many other things, all these things that in general, we don't want to feel what, yeah. how do you want to feel? Yep. You want to feel like you're standing true in yourself, mm-hmm. that you feel calm and supported in, in your core, yep. that you want to feel love and giving of love. And that you're talking and expressing yourself from a place that is love and loving, right? A good way to do this is another prep thing as our like final tip here is play out those conversations in your head. Yeah. I literally just told my client the other day, pick up the blank phone before you call your mother, right? Because we are the mother relationship, right? It's there for a reason. It's there to teach us all the, all the things, all the things, Pick up the phone before you call her. Don't, you know, the blank phone without calling and say, hey, mom, how are you doing today? Hey, daughter, I'm doing good. Blah, blah, blah is happening. Oh, okay. Blah, 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 blah. Play out the actual conversation of how you want it to go, how you want it to feel, then dial the number. Yep. And this is preparing yourself. It's manifesting. It's putting it out there, but it's primarily getting you in the aligned place. Yep. Of feeling into yourself, feeling protected and safe in yourself and releasing, not just releasing the outcome, but projecting a positive outcome. Absolutely. And that's yeah. what, that's what you get from positive space boundaries is mm-hmm. a safer and more aligned you. Yep, exactly. Well, I hope we both hope that this was supportive for wherever you are in your journey. I think we all need boundary check-ins quite frequently, mm-hmm. um, especially as women. I think we're we're not taught to hold boundaries, and it's a very important lesson. Um, and so- if you, sorry, one no, last no. thing, I guess there's tools to help with emotional space boundaries too, like mm-hmm. physical tools, yep. crystals, energy stones. Even if you are going into, uh, you know. Maybe you're going to uh, to see a friend or, or a relative and you know that there's the possibility of tension, even if you're not a believer in crystals or, or have any of that available to you because there are crystals that help with protection. There are 
crystals that help with positive space boundaries. Or if you don't have sage, which is another really great thing after a tumultuous conversation, sage your house, sage the place that that happened in, sage yourself, take a bath, take a shower, release that energy from you. You can even wear a positive talisman Mm -hmm. that you can touch or rub or rely on Mm -hmm. or ask in that protection. And you can ask it again, as we said, from whatever deity or whatever, even if it's calling upon your higher self. You believe in nothing but yourself. You believe in more than a lot of people, right? And that's really what you want to do and say, I'm calling upon my higher self to protect me through this time. So cool. So many things. We'll talk about a bunch of, we'll try to list it all in the show notes with things Mm -hmm. too. But I hope that we hope that this helped you kind of navigate through this and give you some tips. And of course, ask us because we've, we've been on the messy path through creating positive space boundaries and it's Mm -hmm. not flowy. It is bumpy, um, but there is a light through it and it is feeling better and more grounded in yourself. Absolutely. Yes. As always reach out. um, If you want to chat with us or if you're interested in working with either of us, we would love, love, love to support you and sending you so much love today as you're listening. Bye. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to connect with us on Instagram or online, you can find our details in the show notes. And remember, the mess mess is is the journey. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get this.